0: Today on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, we have your week in sports cars. It's an episode, it's a show, it is a performance. I don't know what it is, honestly, but we do it each week. Myself, Marshall Pruitt, Graham Goodwin on the other end of the line. He is the man, a specialist in European sports car racing. I am an ist of some kind for North American sports car racing. We do this show with many obstacles. My cat, Rosie, just decided to jump up, walk across me, and brush herself across the microphone. We might have Graham's dog jumping in here, which is fairly normal. The uh, daily sports car mascot himself. We are sponsored by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. In the interest of time and getting through as many questions as possible, we have less than 50 minutes to record this due to life being rather <laughs> inconsiderate of our recording needs mr goodwin shall we have you do as always do the selecting of which categories we're going to row through and begin rowing
1: uh, let's do it and let's get moving with a 50-minute quick fire show Start with him, sir. Oh, and let's start with a couple of questions um, on exactly the same vein from a couple of our regular questioners, Jacob Bame and Daniel Summerskill. Both want to know about um, reason for penalising Compass Racing's McLaren for a second time right after the start of the Daytona 240. Uh, from his perspective says uh, Jacob it looked like this Compass must have been qualifying they start from pit lane because they start from pit lane they can't join the formation lap they, they get a, uh, a, a penalty for not joining the, the uh, formation lap because they were standing in pit lane so with their penalty for messing up, up, up in qualifying. Vicious circle completes what why how wow. Much the same from Daniel, uh, asking why uh, such draconian penalties for a seemingly minor issue. They'd lost pole, had to start off the pit lanes, and missed the formation laps, and started last. What are, what, uh, I, I as I understood it,
0: this. Graham, as I understood it, it was a case of them missing the close to grid for the formation lap. So right. I could be wrong. Maybe there was something related to qualifying that I missed. But as it was explained to me... This was a case of missing getting onto the grid within the final moment that one is permitted to do so. Therefore, the very first poll for the team with McLaren in GT Daytona was lost in terms of being able to take advantage of it at the start. They were sent to the back of the field, had to serve the double penalty And to your point, Jacob, I will admit I don't know if there is something that makes any less sense to me than the you lose the thing that you had, this being pole position, and once you're done taking the green flag, you have a couple moments to serve a drive-through penalty. The double whammy, which... IMSA has done now for a little while, I, I think it is it's time for a change. It is far too much. Like you, Jacob, and like any others who might be in agreement, do I believe that they deserve to serve a penalty? Of course. They ran afoul of the rules. The topic here, though, as we're going to close this and move on to another one, These rules are written by the folks administering them. There is choice and free will on what that penalty happens to be. If we are talking about something as pithy as missing the window to get to grid before that window closes, we're not talking about cars pulling away from pre-grid, by the way, Graham, and they were late showing up for that. We're talking about missing the clothes to get onto pit lane to then stage your car and sit and wait five ten however many minutes. So this is, again, not some sort of, hey, you're truly late to show up for the start of the party, nor was this some gross incompetence of dropping the car on a mechanic or hitting someone on pit lane or doing Fuel some, pressure. Uh, some sort of cr- – go ahead, sorry.
1: It was it was fuel pressure. They had a fuel pressure point, uh, issue, I believe, as they pulled away from the pit stall, solved it, but not quickly enough. That obviously left them starting uh, from pit lane, and that, because they start from pit lane, means they get the drive through.
0: So, so this it's is, a lot. it's. So this is just the point. I'm a big fan of punishment fitting the crime. If you are forcing someone to except two penalties that are going to effectively ruin their race. If this was a 24-hour race, we could see how there might be time and enough cautions to overcome. This ruined their race from the start. This just sank them uh, into uh, irrelevance almost immediately. And I'm not saying this specifically about Compass. It could be about any team, big, small, in between. I don't care. If you're writing the rules and you're coming up with, well, we need to double penalize you, um, I think you have to really, again, just look at where those situations might warrant draconian penalties. Is this one of them? If someone can tell me why it should be, I would welcome hearing it because I cannot fathom how it would be considered as such. Where do we go next, brother?
1: We're going to go to two questions about Jack Hawksworth. Oh. Um, uh, Chris uh, Jack Hawks, <laughs> so Chris Ward and Travis Bender both weigh in on this one after watching the data at uh, 240. Uh, says Chris, one has to wonder how much longer Jack Hawksworth will be in GTD. Hashtag me personally. he thinks if Lexus moved to LMDH, he's first in line. Uh, Travis Bender weighs in with almost exactly the same point, not really a question, he says, but how about Jack Hawksworth proving yet again he's one of the quickest drivers out there? Uh, AVS dominated. Couldn't be more pr- uh, proud of Jack and A-Aaron. Uh, can you do a breaking exclusive scoop on a Lexus DPI LMDH?
0: That would be A-Aaron, not A-Aaron, by the way. But you would have had to have oh, seen apologies. the Key & Peele comedy show on Comedy Central to get that reference. Um, so back to A-Aaron. Yes, that kid. Boy, so happy for him uh, to help lead A-Aim a. Vassar Sullivan 1-2 in GTD. Obviously, there were, what, 10 other entries in GTD that weren't happy about that. Um, To the finer point of Jack Hawksworth, been saying it for years, I know I'm one of many, so it's not an original thought. Uh, Boy, is that team blessed to have a driver of his caliber in IMSA's lowest category. Uh, Even when he was doing LMPC, it just wasn't fair. By rule, Graham, by driver rating, he certainly is qualified and allowed to be in, whether it's a Lexus RCF GT3 or uh, an Areca FLM09 or whatever else as the pro alongside an AM, but even among pros. Yeah, I mean, Jack Jack is in the top percentile there. He should be... In a name-the-factory-prototype effort, at minimum, if not back in IndyCar, where he belongs, with a proper, proper opportunity, which he never had in the limited number of years, two or three years he had in IndyCar, was with either a very small team or medium-sized team that was the joke of the paddock, and their results uh, were befitting of that reputation. So this is a kid who has the talent to be running up front today, uh, starting in about uh, 41 minutes at the first IndyCar race at Road America. This kid could easily be on the pole for Roger Penske right now, just as Joseph Newgarden happens to be, and running off and winning the thing. That's how much talent he has. The fact that he does not have an open-wheel opportunity, it is a sad one. Do I think that, provided Lexus goes forward, with a LMDH that he would be a part of that, if not a huge part of that from a testing and development and whatnot standpoint. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's not a secret that the aim Vassar Sullivan people want to be the team to bring Lexus in to IMSA's top tier prototype class a couple of years from now. So frankly, it's all up to Lexus at this point, but if they do pull the trigger to do this, yeah, uh, they're going to have a mighty fine leader there already among their driver core.
1: Excellent. Let's move on and talk Cadillac. Uh, again, we're going to pair a couple of questions here. One from Jacob Baim and the other one from Adam Eunice. Uh, Jacob says, what do you think about the utter and complete lack of pace showed by the majority of the Cadillacs in the WeatherTech 240? Should we expect another one of those emergency meetings of GM's higher-ups with the IMSA presidents? Uh, whereas Adam says, "Looks like Gabby Chavez, remember, uh, Gabby Chavez uh, stepping in as a last-minute replacement for uh, Felipe Nasra after the Brazilian tested positive uh, after arriving from Miami to Daytona for COVID-19. Uh, it looked like Gabby Chavez, says uh, Adam, uh, ran exactly the minimum time in the and car, leaving Pipo Durani to do all the heavy lifting. Would that have been the plan had Felipe Nasra been in the car?
0: I'm not sure I'm totally agreeing on the... Cadillac being absolutely nowhere angle. Uh, obviously, the Mazdas were very much somewhere. <laughs> so there's no doubt that they were very, very uh, bad fast and good in that regard. They seem to have easy pace to get the job done, and that just manifested itself in the result. But we should keep in mind that, granted, one of the two... Acura's blew up. I believe it was an accessory belt and us uh, that no longer made the scavenge pump scavenge. And then we started burning things. We started burning the oil that was meant to lubricate things. And then uh, Elio and Ricky Taylor no longer had a race car to play with. But Acura's weren't quite there. So I don't know if that was strictly a BOP thing or a setup thing or what. They looked like they could have been in the mix, but weren't as much as they should have been. We did have a pretty amazing drive by Joao Barbosa in our French fry Sebastian Bourdais to get the small, smallest team in the class, uh, least experienced team in DPI, the JDC Miller Motorsports gang, up to third. Um, so, yeah, not saying that the Cadillacs had an advantage by any means not even saying that they were necessarily equal to the front-running Mazdas, but I would say we had, what, four Cadillacs across three teams, and one team really got things right. The other two struggled a wee bit, a little bit. Uh, The Action Express team less than Wayne Taylor Racing. Back to the point about Gabby, I am pretty confident that had Felipe and Pippo been in action that no they would not have minimized one driver to just do 30 minutes as they did with gabby but keep in mind that gabby i would argue might have been the more impressive of the two in the car and that's no disrespect to pippo i love that kid but uh what <laughs> what gabby did uh knowing all the hurdles and circumstances and lack of preparation that he had that kid went straight forward uh, in the in a very limited uh, opportunity to do so. Um, yeah, I'm sure that Cadillac will be in imps's ear about getting things turned around to a much happier place here. Uh, they're just back in action uh, in, what, a week from now. So, yeah, don't know if I saw things as dire for Cadillac. Uh, would also say that maybe not a huge surprise that coming off of a thorough whooping at Daytona for the Rolex 24, Graham, that maybe among the manufacturers that did exceedingly well in January, maybe Cadillac had its, uh, its collar tightened a little bit more in the leash, a little more tension on it from the series, so it wasn't a second consecutive runaway. So...
1: Okay, we're going to crack on with a couple of questions about that Daytona race. First one comes from Jerry Robert-Siddeth. Could you see a July IMSA race at Daytona make a full-time return as a result of the 240? Uh, It would make sense if IMSA does indeed remove tracks from the schedule. Uh, Luke Filippone, meanwhile, says, uh, hope all is well. Saturday night sports car racing under the lights was fantastic. Should IMSA consider more night running for the calendar in the future?
0: Yes and yes. I don't know if it's going to be a July thing, Jerry, in the future, but I do know that with NASCAR, IMSA's owner, having just announced the fricking cup series top tier will be competing here soon on the Daytona road course, uh, that I could easily foresee a double header in the future between NASCAR and IMSA using the road course itself. And if it were to be under the lights for both, I think that'd be pretty spectacular one where IMSA starts finishes as the sun is falling, then transition quickly to NASCAR to take the rest of it, to close out the night. That seems like a very NASCAR kind of thing to do. So yeah, uh, I think that's going to be a thing for sure. Um, and my brain is falling out of my head on the other question.
1: Uh, it was under the
0: lights. Oh yeah. The under the lights part for sure just something different. Uh, I love that. And if it could be a 4th of July thing and fireworks, well, that's great. We get those fireworks Graham in January when it's not the 4th of July and it isn't independence day. So yeah, I'd say definitely replicate there for sure. Uh, let me take a quick look through the rest of the IMSA questions that I might answer quickly. Matt Anderson, you have one that takes almost a full page. So, uh, that might be a send back in next week kind of thing. Uh, Joshua Ponce, it was great seeing the Mazda DPI's finally taking a win and a 1-2 finish at Daytona. The race seemed pretty entertaining, even with a smaller field. Totally agree. And the reason I wanted to grab this, had a driver, a very high-quality driver, who competed in that IMSA race, uh, ring me and say, you know, it was a good race, and I really enjoyed being in it, and I had almost no problems with traffic, and I think it's because we had three classes instead of four. And the whole point, without overstating the obvious, was without LMP2, uh, which can be very quick and also kind of get in the way, uh, depending on who you're lapping or trying to get past in those cars, often on the AM or the Pro-Am side, Graham, uh, things can get a little bit messy. That's where you oh. could potentially have more cautions and yellows pretty clean race josh i mean you know seriously just a clean race quick race not a lot of nonsense and it even resonated within the cockpit for some that hey uh maybe this two pro classes and just one pro am that being the most populous one in gtd maybe that's a good formula to consider for this second race of the year at daytona if they keep doing it um why don't we take the last Two here, SRA Smoking Puppy, 841. Have you heard anything about the rumored Spirit of Daytona Dyson Racing DPI entry recently? I have not. I would say that might be a Corolla virus type thing. Uh, And then our pal, a guy in a grumpy bear suit to close, DeRuslar. Do you foresee IMSA's LMP2 field shrinking this year as more of the funded amateurs have their budgets diverted towards their day jobs? Probably the opposite here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think LMP2 might be the only real opportunity for growth to happen in IMSA for the rest of the year. Uh, for those funded amateurs who pay for the majority, if not all, of the opportunity to do this, to put a LMP2 entry on the grid, I'm just hearing in many, many ways that uh, you know, the folks that are getting hurt with the downturn in the economy and the pain being suffered, tend to be more on the service industry level. How's this? Those of us who don't have jobs and do things that pay us, the kinds of money that would allow us to fork out six, seven figures to play with LMP2 cars, we're the ones fighting and scraping to get by. The folks at that higher level who can fund it, Uh, I haven't heard much about those folks going away. Just talking IMSA LMP2. Uh, If anything, I think it might be the place with the limited opportunities, Graham, in GTD uh, for Pro-Am, am am drivers to find stuff to do there. I think LMP2 might actually be okay. So we'll find out if I'm right or wrong, but I actually haven't heard the, boy, the phone's silent and even the ones we had signed, they all want to go away. Haven't heard too much of that. Let's do this right now why because i love me some weck aslam elms Aco, better known as graham goodwin's bailey wick of knowledge we're going to move swiftly kindly and gently to your neck of the woods we've got approximately 30 minutes left so let's get her done jacob bame look at that you're topping both categories so far any news on the development of the next generation LMP2 chassis, Graham? Also, how long do you think before Toyota goes public with the TS060 or whatever the heck they're going to call their upcoming Le Mans hybrid chassis? Well, the,
1: uh, the new hypercar is called the Toyota Gazoo GR Supersport. That we know. That's certainly the name it's been given so far. As far as P2 chassis is concerned... A lot of that's going to depend on when LMDH actually kicks in. Uh, The moment planned for 2022, but there certainly appears to be consideration of delaying that. That's going to be dependent on just how quickly uh, the hoped-for factory commitments come for both FIWC and IMSA. And then my understanding is that the LMP2 versions of those same chassis follow on a year later. So it's either going to be start at 23 or the start of 24, and it will be those same four chassis manufacturers. It seems uh, from, from what I'm hearing from both sides of the pond is that any conversation about adding a fifth uh, is not going to happen at this point unless somebody falls off the reservation um, in terms of the uh, the, the current four, uh, the hopes of whether or not that be Janetta, Duque, anybody... Uh, coming in appears to be, I'm afraid, a bust. Uh, that'll be bad news, not well-received, I can tell you, uh, from at least one man whose company is based in Yorkshire, UK. Let's
0: go to our man, Matt Hawkins. Given the current restrictions on traveling to the U.S. and Europe, what do you think mm-hmm. will happen, Graham, with the U.S. entrance for Lamont? Will they drop out for the 24-hour? If so, do the good folks of the ACO have enough reserves lined up I would say this is pivoting off of a recent uh, travel decision within the EU you that you. Uh, yeah. you Americans are too sick and virus-laden to be allowed into our country. Uh, again, Lamar isn't next weekend, so who knows what could no. happen uh, in the next two months or so. But any thoughts on whether this could yeah. be a thing that causes folks to pull – Pull entries now.
1: I think we're going to have – there's two or three things to say here. First is we're going to have a really good uh, opportunity to see what the the real world problems are next weekend, because next weekend is the European Le Mans series. We're testing with the LMS Prologue test this week. Uh, I'm heading down tomorrow uh, to the south of France. Um, I know that LMEM and the LMS have been assisting as best they possibly can with, it's not just the US, of course, it's others as well. I know, for instance, Memo Rojas is already in uh, Europe, uh, so he's okay. There's also issues potentially for Russian drivers. We have three of them in LMP2. But we're going to find out whether or not the, the measures to diplomatically help have been successful or not for the LMS. If they're not, then there could well be dramas. I think we'll also hear in the coming days... Uh, some more dramas about the current entry. I'm very well aware that the 62 that we've got currently got listed are not going to be the 62 we see in September. Uh, not giving any anything else away about that quite yet, but uh, watch this space for that and other breaking Le Mans news. Uh, we'll we'll say this by the way about the numbers: there will not, I don't think, think be enough reserves to fill. gaps that are going to be left and that includes a couple of the reserves dropping out by the way but remember it's only last year that we had 62 for the first time and it wasn't that long before that that we had 55. frankly in the current climate i think a grid of 55 if that's what we end up with and i think we might do better than that would be a triumph um the politics of this need to be put to one side as as soon as possible but on that front marsh I think we've got multiple governments that have got to look to their own shoes and decide whether or not they're doing the right thing. Uh, I'm not going to point fingers at individual politicians. Others can do that uh, more convincingly than I can. But when you make inflammatory statements, uh, and there's more than one country I'm looking to about this, uh, inflammatory statements about where things are actually going right, wrong and badly, can't be that surprised when people retaliate. Um, so, Uh, My country is certainly going to be one of the victims of that, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, with the clown show that we've actually got going on at the moment, uh, and others will too. We'll know a lot more, I think, by the time we get to middle of next week as to how many of the American guys that we're expecting to turn up at Paul are there. I think it's something like seven or two, and uh, plus – three from russia and there are other countries as well that may have some difficulties Uh, at the moment it's a convincing entry let's wait and see whether it stays that way when we get to to racing next saturday sunday
0: man you are just an answer machine dancing machine usually saturday nights but on a saturday afternoon like this (laughs) answering machine we don't have a ton of wekasm elms echo questions uh, and we won't be able to get to all of them. So, as always, if we didn't get to them, and you want us to talk about them, send them in oh, yeah. again. Uh, why don't we go with one more, because I know we have a decent chunk of general and fun. Uh, why don't we go to Sean Crockett, Sean, who submitted one, two, at least four questions in this category alone. Thank you, my man. Do we have any real clarity, Graham, on what the top class and Weck? And Le Mans 2021 is going to look like, from what I can piece together, looks like hyper cars from Toyota Glickenhaus, maybe by Collis, the grandfathered car. That's the best scenario. This is maybe the, the part that I'd love to to get input on. He says, am I missing something? Is 2021 looking like another Toyota walkover.
1: Uh, no, I don't think you're missing anything. Uh, I think it is Toyota uh, with two. Glickenhaus promises two full season entries by Collis are talking we believe about a single car uh, they are the hypercars for year one the Persia hypercar I still believe it will be a hypercar by the way not an LMDH, and that comes from a very good source indeed and repeatedly so uh, so that won't be for at least another year and yes I think there's a prospect of uh, grandfathered LMP1 will we see anything like the SMP cars come back in grandfathered form I don't think so uh, it might depend on what actually is offered up by way of a grandfathering package. And that's a very open question. Uh, bear in mind, we're talking here, pretty big difference in terms of the weight, something like, uh, what is it, 830, 870 kilos uh, for LMP1, 1150 for the uh, hypercars. And by the way, the um, the LMP1 cars are already ballasted to that weight. Uh, and as, you know, eight chunk of disparity with power as well and a big difference in terms of the aero efficiency um the lmp1's extremely aero-efficient hypercars much bigger frontal area is the way that things are designed that way so one of the great unknowns right now is what is the grandfathering process going to look like my guess would be a absolutely radical reeling in at the power uh, of the lmp1 cars um because putting 200 kilos of weight in those things is not feeling to me like the right way to go.
0: There we go. We're going to swiftly move to where we have two options, Hegenerau or Fun, and you are the official selector.
1: Let's go for Fun first. Fun. We often do it the other way around, but let's do Fun first.
0: You want to uh, uh, c- huck one or two this away?
1: Well, that the, um, there's one I'll answer very quickly for Josh Ridgen. What's the best LMS livery for 2020? And why is it the Inter Europol paint job? It is pretty funky. Uh, it continues the Norwich City yellow and green theme, but in a very different looking car. There's a few we haven't seen yet, I think is what I'd say here, Josh. And that's one of the, the bits of fun that we'll get when uh, we get down to Paul Rickard on Tuesday morning for the two day test. Um, so I'll let you know when we get to the weekend Sports Cars next week. Hopefully we can record one with a bit of ambient sound uh, MP from uh, the press room atop the pits at uh, Paul Ricard. Beyond that, okay, one for you.
0: Oh, so, I like the ambient sound one.
1: SRA Smoking Puppy 841 says, ACO have decided you can pick the next Garage 56 entry for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. What would you like to see and Why?
0: Okay. My first thought was a vintage Porsche tractor since I saw those go around WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca at the most recent Ren Sport reunion put on by Porsche. So that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I would say there's a new idea that I'm going to float here. I don't know if it is going to be received well. It should. Anyone who disagrees is clearly an ally of Al Qaeda. So that's just a fact. I am going to introduce a brand new concept. Tired of Garage 56. I believe it has been effective in sparing ways. Very rarely is it something that we would consider truly unique and exceptional. More often than not, those chosen to bring a vehicle fail to bring that vehicle. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's been efforts, unfortunately, involving a bit of a reach. Oh, how could we make something fit that wasn't really a part of the original concept for it? So I'm going to say this. Good old SRI Smoking Puppy 841. Marshall Pruitt is officially terminating Garage 56. And replacing it with Garage '86. That means every Uh year, the ACO chooses one car that participated in the 1986 24 Hours of (laughs) Le Mans to be on the grid. (laughs) So it could be a Rothmans Porsche 962. Uh, Granted, there weren't a ton. There's mostly Porsches, but you know what? I think we had a TWR Jag. Uh, there's a dome Toyota in there that I recall there's some old stuff uh Rondo and whatnot from about nineteen seventy nine we had some Nissans, right formative stuff there I recall James Weaver being on the grid in one of those uh Ige elge uh, he just always has to be in one of the, he has to be one of the drivers in the annual garage eighty six program um what a curia cost would have been there uh, in something or other lucky
1: strike right look at the lucky the lucky strike uh, shanker uh, racing argo with the oh. zack speed turbo engine martin shanker and unfortunately the late uh, and very great martin berrain in that yes car.
0: indeed i um, trying to think of what else there would have been sauber right would have been you know factory-ish mercedes type stuff going on uh, there would have been a lot of junk out there you could choose from the 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 crazy French fire brigade known as WM uh, they were trying to do some stuff. So yeah, officially replacing garage 56 with garage 86. My only concern would be reliability. Otherwise I think some of these cars uh, untethered from the old school fuel restriction. Um, right. Cause we couldn't make it just one car totally complying to the 86 rules. But a modern a nine six two heck there are Mazdas four rotor Mazdas I think there as well, um, one prototype from the eighty six race each year, using modern Michelin's uh, all the regular fuel modern rules applied. I'm curious if we might at least get one of them on the overall podium, Graham. So that's my call. <laughs>
1: One quick thing I'd say there is it does raise quite a nice little bit of synergy. I just had a quick look at that uh, that Dome Toyotia mentioned, which had Satoru Nakajima, See? Kaz Nakajima's father, as she 's driving that car. And I have to tell you, I didn't actually know that and Nakajim were driven at Lamont. So that would be, wouldn't that be nice to see a pair of those actually show her car. That'd be uh really pretty cool. Um, I've just looked down at the, the rest of the fun questions. Actually, these are the ones we answered last week. So we're going to go to head getting around to finish the, uh, the show. You want to pick a couple?
0: Sure. I'm just saying, you know, thanks Ryan Kish. I tell you what, uh, Ryan <laughs> Kish is beloved DSC <laughs> member who puts together the list for us. Yes. And, um, Look, you can't be it too may, mean it, to a ginger. You know, they're already thin-skinned enough. I mean, literally, the sun hates them. So, you know, we have to just be a you, little Ryan. bit extra extra careful here. Um, <laughs> sure, I'm going to go with, uh, we're going to kick off with our man Andrew Bacca. Why? We kind of need to make sure there's at least one Andrew Bacca question per week. Otherwise, it's not going to be a very good episode. Name a driver with worst luck getting seats, and Catherine leg. Oliplar.
1: Oliplar. Oliplar. And by the way, Ollie pla knows it. Could have, should have, would have, and was never in the right place at the right time. This is one of the men, by the way, that was on a plane to Sebring to take up his Peugeot factory place when they pulled the program. Um, went to Nissan, uh, his first opportunity with a factory LMP1, mm-hmm. uh, with the, sa- the savior is uh, of, of, I think Ollie's career at that point was the Ford GTLM program, um, massively rapid individual. But did go through a period where I just you know, his 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 head had dropped and he just wasn't getting the break- breaks. But uh, Ollie Pla still is somebody we talk about being rapid, um, but there was a time. Uh, when we were talking about him and another young man, Danny Watts, as being the most rapid uh, prospects in sports car racing, and the right moves didn't come for Ollie at the right time.
0: Well, all I can tell you is that uh, whatever that baton of not good was certainly passed on to Cat. And, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, where else should we go? Here we go. Are we heading towards a DTM convergence with MotoGP and the creation of a three-wheeler series that comes from Richard Cooper? Um, I have no idea what that's referring to. I would like to know what you were imbibing yourself with, Richard, when you sent that in, because I'm usually in a pretty abstract place and even I can't figure it out. But I do love it. That's why I wanted to read it. Um, Let's see.
1: While you're looking for another one, I will say it's looking ever more likely. That if DTM are trying to go down the road of anything, it's some form of upgraded sprint GT3 process. And I am concerned that, having spoken to WRT and to Phoenix, uh, that they didn't mention that they might want to do that. Um, You'd have thought that might have been the case. But uh, they're looking to other things. I just think it looks dire for them. It's sad. but maybe it's time to just call it quits and come up with a business plan for two or three
0: years time you know i got an idea we're i just figured out how we're going to save the dtm we're going to reconstitute grand am and this is a question from maybe a month or two ago we're going to reconstitute grand am which was threatening to bring the dtm to america and make a dtm in america series Mm -hmm. because they were getting their butts kicked by the american le mans series in terms of love and interesting content. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe DTM's future was never about Deutsch or German or being a domestic series. Maybe it was just, maybe this is the the net effect of DTM in America, not taking it off, taking off and then just becoming the most popular thing in America. So maybe Grand Am was so far ahead of its time. It didn't know it. Or maybe I'm just thinking in abstracts yet again.
1: I I think you're a genius. I've always thought you're a genius.
0: Well, genus, species, <laughs> something. Uh, we're going to cate- categorize me somehow. Uh, let's see. How about Black Falcon, Mercedes, and IGTC? Jacob Bame. Mm. Man, you are just a question-generating machine.
1: Uh, the answer there is so uh, Black Falcon have pulled out from kind of pro GT3 competition, uh, but others are coming up the order. We saw Get Speed Performance this last week uh, stepping in to full, almost full season uh, GT World Challenge Europe competition. We've got the Haupt Racing Team, HRT, not that HRT, um, stepping up as well and taking a win. Uh, today at the Nürburgring in only their second race uh, out there's not going to be a shortage of good quality Mercedes AMG teams to do IGTC if the IGTC stays as part of the programme which I have no doubt it will so um, yes big shame to see Black Falcon Step aside, uh, team of real quality, but there will be others stepping up, and there's two we've named there, and there's others around as well that are perfectly capable of taking that call from AMG uh, with the offer of some tasty factory talent.
0: We have 10 minutes to go. I think we can get through the last two questions in that amount of time. Why don't I take the first, and why don't we close with uh, the one from Robin Crickman? So why don't I... Oh, right. penultimate here with Jose Tapias. I've noticed that pretty much every large series is limiting cars to one specific brand of tire. I know that tire wars, entire brand winning Lamont, Daytona, etc., used to be a big thing for that brand. Aston Martin won Lamont in twenty sixteen. I'm trying to struggle to remember if that was accurate or not, but regardless, um recall Aston Martin winning being the only car in gte i believe that was dunlops yes graham um Mm -hmm. on a different brand of tire and the performance difference was obvious as they dominated in the day but were caught at night it says do either you miss tire wars in sports car racing is this the result of racing series trying to even the playing field tire manufacturers being outperformed by others sponsorship deals or a bit of it all i think you got Uh a bit of it all there
1: uh, there is. I mean, there's there's two, there's two things specifically to mention here. One is the commercial opportunity it offers. To the race series because clearly if you're issuing a tyre tender there is money to be earned there um, so they've spotted that opportunity the other thing that is pretty important to remember is that process has come along with another process in motorsport that is balance of performance now clearly it's a lot easier to balance the performance of a group of cars if you've got standard factors involved there and the tyre is definitely one of them so bop sort of helped this process along, but certainly uh once you saw some of those race series uh move away from things like um Formula One, even IndyCar for that matter, um once you've seen race series at the level we're talking about here earn money from those tire brands, they learn that pretty darn quick. And that is, I'm afraid, now looking like a bit of a tsunami heading towards just wiping out tyre competition and just about everything. We're going to see that across the board in ACO rules racing. It leaves Super GT as being a not quite last man standing flag bearer, um, but there's not many, very, very many more other than that, are there, which is very sad. Uh, tyre war was a wonderful thing to see.
0: And this is certainly a great, I would say, overarching point here, Jose. With balance of performance, the willingness for any series that uses BOP to then say, sure, come one, come all in terms of tire vendors. Just say that that's maybe no longer something that we're going to see a lot of while BOP exists. We know in IMSA's GT Le Mans category, as you also mentioned in GTE, there's an open approach there. Um, we could easily have, if desired, multiple manufacturers duking it out in GTLM, but it's been a long time since that was the case. And I do believe that there's just a comfort zone of knowing that all cars uh, are truly able to be balanced off of one tire. Uh, Because... I don't know if modern-day sports car series really want to get into balance of performance based on your tire brand's knowledge, expertise, or rate of development with their product versus a well-honed product like that from Michelin or Dunlop. So when you're having to get into, all right, we're going to give you 900 extra horsepower because your tires are like steel uh, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I just don't think there's a stomach for it much anymore. The only thing that might overcome that is if one or more tire brands wanted to join in and spend ridiculous amounts of money with the series. Uh, There's always going to be a financial tipping point where folks say, okay, uh, if I'm going to be going through pain, well, there's a threshold where I'm not willing to do it or, oh, I'm being paid to endure. All right, we'll put up with it. So uh, I don't know if we're going to see this change anytime soon, Jose. All right, last question here. This comes in from Robin Crickman with racing, restarting. There's been lots of information about how COVID-19 is handled with respected drivers, teams, spectators, and so on. One essential group I've seen almost nothing about is track marshals. I'm sure they will all wear masks, but will that be enough? Quite a few of them seem to be in the mature age group, and some may have additional risk factors. Will there be a shortage of trained folks who are comfortable in volunteering? Given that the camaraderie um, is one of the big volu- one of the big motivations to volunteer to be a corner marshal how can that be maintained uh, and social distance also be maintained um there's about 15 other questions thrown in here all on the same subject i will mention yep. I'll grab some of this Graham. um i will mention that i just caught practice and qualifying for the necar race this morning at road america where fans are allowed and I was happy to see some of the shots where corner marshals had masks on and appeared to be, you know, doing what they needed to do social distancing. There's often a little bit of that going on as it is, depending upon the corner and the setup. It's not uncommon, at least here in the States to have two corner marshals, uh, one looking up the track, one looking down the track uh, to try and scan their general area. Um, And so, Usually, when you get that, folks are not back to back per se. So, I think that should work out all right. The other things that we might see, there could be a corner marshal's station, you know, some sort of little uh, box that they stand within that hopefully will have a roof, little shed. I know that there are some little sheds at Lamont and such. Will we see a bunch of corner marshals stacked into those small confines? I would hope not. Strictly in the topic of COVID-19, the thing I wanted to mention about this, though, Robin, and to hand off to you, Graham, to close, while from what I've just seen today, observing with track marshals seemed to make me feel good, like, hey, they're looking after themselves and maintaining distance and taking care with protective equipment, I did not see a single racing fan uh, giving the least bit of a fart. About standing more than one inch away from one another, masks were almost nowhere uh, Whatever photos you might have seen of hey, this country town, whatever is opened up, and hey, maybe it's a a beach laden area and you see the photo Graham of here is one hundred foot stretch of beach with 22,000 people on top of one another. And you look at it and you cringe and go, oh my God, you know, this is truly a COVID-19 soup. From what I saw today, there's big, big soup at Road America. And so if we're talking about caring for corner workers and making sure that they are not in the general vicinity of those who don't give a crap, that's something that we need to think about and tracks might need to consider. You know, we do a lot of things to make sure that there's ample protection and safety stuff for drivers. If you crash, there's trucks and fire trucks and ambulances and there's equipment and staff and all kinds of stuff to look after the folks doing the racing. Well, we have other folks out there facilitating the racing. And if we're just letting them be within short distance of mobs of people blindly ignoring COVID-19, that might be the thing that worries me the most, Robin and Graham.
1: Yeah, it's uh, – um, there's, there's lots to worry about right now. It is just simply a matter of common sense, I'm afraid, is the thing that comes in. Uh, by the way, anybody wanting to bore me with conspiracy theories about uh, – or deep state nonsense, take it elsewhere. Um, this is so I should stop sending those
0: time. is what you're saying.
1: You should. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it, it's it, – it, look, what, what, what we're going through here I, – I, to give you an idea here to try to get the impression of scale here across to my teenage daughter, I've habitually been talking to her about this in terms of what does that number of people mean? Okay. The number of people it means now that have died worldwide is gradually going up the scale of countries that would have been wiped out. Okay. Uh, it's just over half a million right now. Ask yourself in your life, uh, What was the last thing that shocked you in terms of loss of life? Uh, We've just come through the 15th anniversary of the London bombings, uh, the seven seven bombings in London. Immersively, the actual loss of life there was remarkably little, but it was shocking. Uh, A lot of people might turn to things like 9-11, look at the numbers there, then compare and contrast and ask yourself, what would you have done to prevent the numbers that would have actually been killed in 9-11 what are you prepared to do to prevent prevent these numbers from being something we've got to live with for a very long time indeed wash your hands put a mask on socially distance it's not the end of your world please help those who are trying to help others because it may well be that it doesn't hit you but you could be the person that spreads it elsewhere to someone that can lead less well afford it to our friends colleagues uh trackside I love you all dearly. We couldn't do this. We couldn't go racing without you guys. I sincerely hope that we can maintain the numbers that are required for each of these race meetings uh, moving forward. Um, They're the proper unsung heroes of motorsport, as far as I'm concerned. Without them, there would be no motorsport. And I think that's a good way to finish it. Hopefully, that's about your 50 minutes.
0: Take us home, Graham Goodwin.
1: Let's do it this way. I'm about to go racing for the first time uh, in an awfully long time, and that's very exciting. Less exciting is the absolute pile of packing, and I've just realised I can't remember how to pack a case. Uh, it's something I used to do every seven to ten days. This has been the weekend sports cars. Before we wrap it up, we're going to say thank you once again to Cooper Tyres, to the Justice Brothers, to Bell Helmets USA, and to Toronto Motorsport.com. Stay well. Stay interested. Keep sending the questions in. For now, he's been Marshall Pruitt. Over there, I'm over here. I'm Graham Goodwin. We'll be with you for the Week in Sports Cars next week.